Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, Hawk fans? Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Hawk Talk Podcast. I'm Ty Hudson, and I just wanted to say, hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to what Jacob Porter and myself have to say about the Razorbacks. You know, the ups, the downs, and most of the things in between. Hopefully you enjoy the content. If you do, maybe you could give us some of that star power. You know, the ratings over on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. We uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And, oh yeah, go Hogs. What's up, guys? I love the Hog Talk podcast and look forward to listening to it all week. It's the best place to get all your no BS Razorback Nation information. Woo Pig and Go Hogs. Yo, what's going on, Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere? Welcome to the Hog Talk podcast episode. Oh my God, 59. Can you believe it? It is just. It's, it's crazy how fast these are flying by. really do appreciate you guys downloading and, and listening. With me today, our producer, Porter Hayes. How you doing? Doing good today. Normal, normal little Thursday off day. Uh, enjoyed a little working in the snow and ice yesterday, so that, that was fun. We, we got a slight dusting yesterday. Um, I mean, you know, just... just Absolutely, the, the the stores ran out of bread and milk and and uh, and and all the all the things you need to survive to brave these storms. It was absolutely crazy. We will rebuild uh, Fayetteville, Northwest Arkansas will return to its former glory. Uh, hopefully, sometime soon in the near future. It's uh, I, I listen. I love cold weather. I love it. You know, you just wrap up in a blanket, get some hot cocoa. I'm a coffee guy myself. You know, turn on Netflix, hang out with your family. I I, I like it. I don't know. It just kind of it it, it uh, it's good family time. Everybody just wants to snuggle up and have some have some uh, quiet family movie time. That's what I like about this cold weather. I mean, you could do that in hot weather, sure, but I don't know what it is about. You know, when it gets cold outside, you want to get comfortable. Turn the turn the heat on to a comfortable sixty six degrees, or at least for men, anyways. Most men would probably prefer to keep women on the other hand like 80 but you know that's neither here nor there we have <laughs> we have a lot to discuss in this episode we we tend to try to keep these we always say 30 minutes sometimes they go a little bit over but we're um you know we're gonna try and keep it close to 30 so just a heads up for those of you listening i know that there are some of you who've reached out and prefer our longer episodes but that's how these things launched in the beginning. Was Friday was supposed to be our half show, like the thirty-minute show, and sometimes it just goes on. And they just uh, can't get enough of us. We, we have to get more content. We're in high demand. I get it. I understand it. Also, shout out really quick to our Discord. I, I completely forgot to ask them for their questions, but uh, shout out to our Discord. We've mentioned her before, but we have our third moderator, Kelly. Congrats to her. We, you know, we can't thank her enough and everybody who comes through our Discord. Again, if you guys want those links, hit us up in the DMs. We'll hook you up. We've got, we've got more than enough to hand out, okay? But, you know, 
it's it's there's some good information shared there. I'm not going to lie to you. In fact, we just uh, Arkansas got a commitment today, and and guess where? I mean, within minutes of that thing popping up on Twitter, it was all over our Discord. So that's kind of well, I say all over. Okay, me and Kelly posted something, but so that's the kind of information that's that's what you get in our Discord, 100% free. Okay, let's start off first. Um, Porter, you want to talk a little bit about the women's? I'll go ahead and let you have the floor, sir. Yeah, they, they got a game tonight. They played Georgia. Georgia's eleven to seven, two and three in conference. Uh, they're they're averaging sixty three points a game, and they're allowing sixty. Um, not not too much on the score, and they're, I, I think you know Arkansas should. I don't say have no problems with this game, but I mean after that one hundred to sixty six win over Vandy, you know Tolfrey, you called it. She come out of her shell and hit twenty five. So. Um, they're only their top rebounders are only average three rebounds a game. Uh, Gabby Connolly's averaging twelve points a game, three rebounds, and then Maya Caldwell's coming in. She's averaging ten points and three um, rebounds. So, you know, toll free's really aver- jumping her average up. She, I think the last time we talked, she was around 12, 11 points a game. Now she's at four. Her and Amber Ramirez are at fourteen point seven points a game. Uh, Dungy's average kind of seems to be dropping. You know, she's she's down to 20 points a game. You know, she was up at 23 at the beginning of the year. So, um, but the the shooting percentage is just crazy. I mean, Amber Ramirez is shooting 47% from the field. And I think they said that the other night, I mean, she's 57% from the three-point line. I mean, they were just killing it. These two girls, Tolfrey and, and Ramirez, are starting to pick up steam. So, I mean, they're coming in, and if they, it's almost like the men's. You know how they're they're needing Isaiah Joe to step up. If if they can get the big three rolling coming into you know the last part of February and into March, they have a really good chance of making a good run in, in the SEC tournament. Yeah, I I've said it, I've said it for a while, especially after getting a chance to see them up close and, and in person. They're a tournament team, and they play with that chip on their shoulder, and and I think they have the talent to. To not just make the tournament, I think they're to me they're beyond that. Now you're you're our you know a hell of a lot more about women's basketball than I do. I'm going to admit that, but you know watching them play, I'm trying to catch more on on television when I'm able to when I'm able to watch and get my eyes on a TV uh, or, or on some on some live games. I I think they're. A, Again, it's not just tournament. I think it's how far can they go? How far? How far? And I, I don't think they they don't strike me as a one and done kind of program uh, with the way they play and how well they you know they fight. Uh, you know they they even when they're outmatched, they find ways. Kind of like Arkansas, uh, the men's kind of like the the Razorback men's team. They uh, yeah, very they similar, find very ways. Very similar in how they lose and when they lose the games, like the games Arkansas lost, and you look at the games. Uh, the women's lost. I mean, they're not getting blown out. And you can look at each of the wins and, like, man, if they could have just had one or two things go differently, then, um, I mean, they'd be, you know, Arkansas would be sitting at one loss right now and the Ladybacks could be undefeated right now. Well, they'd be one loss with that, that cow loss, you know. So they could both be, you know, only have one loss this year so far. Yeah, Tolfrey, man, I, I know Ramirez, and and they've they've got some studs. They've got an All American, but Ramirez is my girl. That guy, she's just she's scrappy. She's like a little Wolverine out there on the court, man. I just I love watching her play. She gets after it. She hustles up and down the court. Uh, 
she's uh, she's impressive. She's fun to watch. Obviously, they have they've got the talent and the skill, and they've got young they've got young girls too. And and, and you know they're freshmen. Uh, Ramirez is a freshman, right? Is Ramirez the freshman? Ramirez, no, no, she come over from I can't remember what school she. Um, Michaela right. Daniels is the Michaela freshman. Daniels. Yeah, yeah, she's the one that come from from Maryland. And she's a freshman. Uh, and then you got uh, Atiana Golden. She's another one that you know can come in off the bench and do. I mean, they're going to be. I mean, other than uh, the one that, well, she's got a red shirt, so they got everybody coming back other than toll free next year. So yeah. I mean, this team's going to be. I mean, going forward, plus you know, with the recruiting class we've talked about, they're getting and from the rumors I'm hearing what they might get in 2021. I mean, neighbors is building a program. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's impressive to watch, you know. I and true story. Nineteen ninety six. I think I've shared this before, maybe here, either here on the live show or somewhere. Nineteen ninety five. Christy Smith was my sixth grade substitute teacher. You know who she is. I mean, she went on WNBA. She's a, a legend with Razorback with with the women's team. And she was our sixth grade substitute teacher, and all we wanted to do was talk Razorback basketball with her. And she just wanted to, you know, she wanted to do her job. She wanted to teach. She wanted to substitute. And all we talked about, because that year, if I remember right, the, the women's team was damn good. And obviously, with Christy Smith on that roster. And all we wanted to do was talk about, you know, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? How many points are you going to average, you know, next week or whatever? It was exciting. It was really a lot of fun. Now, maybe, and I'm trying to remember, that might have actually, when she subbed, they might have actually been out of season. I can't remember, but I remember us just talking nothing but Razorback basketball with her and talking about the women's team. Um, so that, I, that's something I'll always remember. I had Christy Smith, a Razorback legend, as a substitute teacher at sixth grade Jefferson Elementary. If there's anyone out there who remembers that, who happens, I know I've got some OGs that listen to the Hog Talk that went to Jefferson with me. If anyone else, you can, you, I'm sure you remember that. That was insane. So, moving well, on. Do to, you remember that? Uh, do you remember that Sarah Pfeiffer that played for U of A? Sounds familiar. She was from Ozark, and if I'm tell you what, she was a beast. Like this girl, senior in high school, she she'd outbent most of the uh, men's team, but she oh. ended up getting like. Um, all academic SEC team. She was mentioned in the SEC Legends or something. But she was, if she could have kept her ankles healthy, she would have been a, another one of those stars. Because I mean, she averaged twenty eight points a game in high school. Now this was that was like early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, she graduated in oh two. Yeah, uh huh. I think she, I remember her. Yeah, it's. Um, I tell you, Razorback fans, it's it's crazy the stuff that I when I run into people every once in a while. I had a guy not long ago ask me if I was going to any more women's games this year, and he wanted. To, he's like, "Hey, I'll see you and Porter up there," and I said, "Yeah, man, come on by." But he was all about it. He was like, "You Porter," and I meant to Marco Polo you that actually. I meant to ta- talk to you about this guy, but he knew. Like we we're talking about Christy Smith, and he's like, "Yeah, I watched her play," and the excitement around Razorback athletics it's it's infectious, man. Like you just uh, when when you're bought in, you're bought in, and hog fans seem to most of the time be pretty well bought in, men's and women's. Really quick, let's go ahead and switch over to the men's team. Uh, disappointing loss on the road against Mississippi State. They dropped this one seventy-seven to seventy. You know, I I never felt good about this game ever. Our our preseason show. Again, I I don't remember if I said this here on the PTN live show or where over on YouTube, but. I never felt comfortable with this game. You know who they have. They've got a stud. Uh, they've got an all-American 
caliber player on that roster. They've got size. They're rangy. Their guards, their wingmen are pretty tall. They're just long. They're pretty athletic. They can get up and down the court. They're, they're, they struggled a little bit with Arkansas's defense, but were able to kind of recover and find a way to, well, I, they, they controlled this game. I mean, let's be real. Uh, Mississippi State controlled this game really from start to finish. There were a couple times there I think Arkansas took the lead by like a point or two in the first, but Mississippi State continuously held on to this thing, and it, I never really felt comfortable for Arkansas. Um, going over the numbers here really quick, the uh, again, Arkansas, they're going to fall to 14-4. and four. Uh, and uh, puts them at 500 in conference play at 3-3. Three and three. Now, the rest of this league, LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, I think all these teams, when it comes time in February, they're going to all be fighting for, for, for seeding. I, I think all these teams right now and will be competing for to get into the tournament. Obviously, those top four will, will be more competitive towards seeding. But, uh, again, getting back to the numbers in this game, you had uh, Perry for Mississippi State. I mean, this guy, someone in our Discord, and we know who, uh, good old Ronnie, predicted that Perry would go off for 35. Look, he wasn't way off. He went for 26. He had a double-double, 13 rebounds, four offensive rebounds by himself, nine defensive rebounds. He shot 6 of 13 from the floor, 0 for 1 at three-point. Uh, that that three-pointer he shot was a, that was a horrible shot. I don't know what uh, that was unlike him for the most part but uh, yeah 26 points for him they had three of their their starters in double digits uh they nearly had two guys in double doubles uh weatherspoon had six total rebounds 11 points and uh stewart was their second leading scorer with 14 points they got a little bit of production from their bench they got 18 points uh porter i don't did you get a chance to catch the game i'm not we weren't really talking last night because i was busy down at the uh down at black apple were you able to catch the game I watched a few highlights on my phone and stuff and kept up, but it just seems like, you know, they were able to get to the free throw, free throw line a lot. And, and oh, man. it just seemed if they would have just cut that out. And of course, you know, with Joe, just, I, I can't figure out what's happened to him this year, you know, with him coming off, you know, having an off night, you know, what, two for 13, I believe what he, what he shot. And it, it's just, it's frustrating, and you can see it in Musselman's eyes. Like, you know, he's preparing and he's putting so much into this team, and I, it has nothing to do with him not being prepared. It's just the guys are not hitting their shots. And this is the second game in a row that they've just not hit their shots. And it's frustrating. Even have a guy go off for 26 and 13, but, I mean, he, what, shot 14 free throws, I believe. I mean, he, he was, I believe, 13 out of 14 from the line or something. So, you know, he only had 13 points, and the others come from free throws. So, I mean, they kept him in check other than foul. And, and um, it's just crazy to see someone have that slump like he is because Jones is, you know, he's only going to hit so much. And, you know, he even struggled last night. But they're really going to need them to count exactly what we said about the girls. You know, we're going to need them to pick up and, and both be hitting because if Joe Jones is hitting and then you got Witt coming off, the bench or in producing, um, they're going to be a dangerous team as well, but they need Joe to start stepping it up. Yeah, Isaiah Joe, 2 of 13 from the floor, 1 of 8 at three-point range, um, didn't take a single shot at the free throw line. He wound up with five total points. Now, he did have seven rebounds. Uh, he had three assists. 
but he did turn the ball over uh, three times. He got in a little bit of foul trouble. Isaiah Joe, there's been an, kind of a – well, in our live stream last night, in the PTN live stream, you know, I had people telling me that and, – and, and they're not completely wrong. I mean, look, yeah, Silla shot better. Okay, but you have to look at Silla's shot selection and what he is to this team. Okay, he went two for two from the floor. One for one from the three-point line. He had five points. He had some productive minutes. I mean, he really did. I'm, I'm glad to see him and Chaney. Chaney had some productive minutes as well. They both shot really well. Chaney with two offensive rebounds, eight total points. They got production from their bench. But it seemed like a lot of people have flipped on Joe, and now all of a sudden he's – he's. I, I don't know really the argument that people are trying to make in the live stream. Not all of them. And like Kelly said, and I mentioned this on the picture pod, she's right. I mean, Silla shot better. And I agree that Joe probably, I mean, he logged 36 minutes and he was two for 13 from the floor, one for eight at three point range. Why? I I, I don't completely buy into the uh, shooters got to shoot themselves out of their funk. Okay, sure, but I think you can put put him on the bench for even just a couple of minutes until someone fouls or you know you take your next timeout, whatever you need to do. Um, whenever you're able to next to substitute next, I think he needed to be put on the bench for a couple minutes. Just get him to just get him to recalibrate, not as a disciplinarian act, not as anything like that. Just a, we need to we need to recalibrate and rethink what it is we're doing with Joe, you know. And yeah, Silla Silla had a great night, but let's compare shot selection. I mean, who who really is the star between the two of those guys, right? You're not going to bench Silla or, or Joe for Silla. That's no, you're not going to yeah. do that. Um, well, and I think a lot of it has to do, you know, Joe needs to get, and I'm not saying he doesn't. So right. when I say this, doesn't mean that he, he doesn't do it. He needs to get on that practice court and, and find out something's wrong with his mechanics or or something's in his mentally. Because when you have that shooter's mentality, I mean, you, you go two for 13, one for eight, and you've done it for a couple of games now. You, you lose that that um, that confidence in your shot. And all it takes, you know, when you when you're playing the SEC and you're putting up a shot, you you have that confidence that it's going to go in. You know, your body's relaxed, you shoot the ball, and you know it's going in. But but if you have that mentality of man, is this going to go in? Your body tenses up. You're worried about your shot, and that one little thing could could mean from your mechanics of shooting, like the like the Kentucky game. They were really hyped up for that game, and you could notice that because. Half their shots were going long. They were hitting long on the rim or coming off the backboard. You know, you're putting too much into that shot. Shooting threes and being a shooter is all about momentum and rhythm. You you have the same shot no matter where you're at. Yep. I think he really needs to get in there and, and check his mechanics. And he'll build that confidence because all it takes, I said this on Discord, all it takes is one game for him to go three for five or four for seven from the three-point line, and it just keeps building. That's the good thing about it. You can get yourself out of a slump like this. Yeah, it, it look, you're going to miss shots. You're going to have some games where you slump. I mean, uh, not everybody is Curry, right? Not everybody is Steph Curry. It's it's He's going to have to th- – this is a good learning process for him. This is a good opportunity for him to learn – you know how to how to overcome whatever it is. If it's something mechanical, if it's something mental, whatever, and you're going to be able to to figure that out. And you're, and that's kind of how we grow as human beings, anyways, right? We learn from our mistakes. We learn and, and try to do better and whatever. And shooting isn't any different. You know, when you get into a slump, and let's say it is something mental, well, you're going to have to overcome it somehow. And 
uh, one of the ways you do that is you you find your you find your rhythm again. Like you said, it's all about it's all about that rhythm and momentum and and, uh, he's and, and having that to, confidence. He's got to used to get having that rhythm of you know because defenses are keying on him. Last year, you know, had a hundred threes and you know he was used to you know having more wide open shots. Now this year they're keying on him. Yeah. He has to find that rhythm with somebody in his face. He's got to build that confidence of knowing just because this guy's got his hand in my face, I am going to shoot the ball. I mean that's what it is. He's he's got a lot more less open looks this year than last year. Oh yeah. So once he figures that out, everything else gonna fall in place. Because you look at Mason Jones, everybody's keen on Isaiah Joe. Well, you know Jones has got that mentality of man. I, he's got his confidence and he's having a little bit more productive shooting these past few games than, than Joe has. So that, yeah. that's a good thing about it. That's the point that I was going to make next, too. Last year you had Gafford. You had someone down low. And it, <laughs> this is why another reason why you needed Vanover, not just from the, the inside presence. Because, I mean, he's seven foot three. You can't coach that. Yeah, he's probably not super aggressive down low. You know, it's going to be hard to tack on weight onto that frame. But the, the guy is going to accidentally run into some rebounds. When you're that damn tall, um, I mean, he could, he could, his, he could probably stand on his tippy toes and damn near touch the scoreboard on, on Bud Walton on the court. I mean, that's you know, that's seven three. That's what you get with that size. You don't have that this year. Uh, teams have obviously, like you said, they're keying in on him, and I think that's something else we're also overlooking or underlooking, whatever you want to say. Uh, all of his shots are contested. You're, you're especially going to have bad nights when you don't have that underneath presence. When Mason Jones goes completely flat in the first half, when you get off to these slow starts and, and the defense is keying in on you, by the way, tight man-to-man defense chasing Arkansas off the perimeter had a ton to do with Isaiah Joe's production and will continue to do so. It's going to be about drawing something up for Musselman to figure out better ways to get Joe less contested shots. Let's not call them no he's going to be he's they're watching him. Like you said, they've got him highlighted, his name, his number. They've got everything they need to know about Joe, talking about other teams when preparing for him. Um they know what they're in for. So it's up to Musselman to figure out ways to get him you know shots that aren't as contested. You know, find a way to get him an open look. Find a way to make a defense paying for going into soft zone instead of playing man. Find ways to get him open looks. And I think the biggest key is going to be finding somebody to get down there and rebound. You're looking last night, Joe and Jones both had seven boards. Yep. So not only are you having to worry about contested shots, now you're having to worry about being the lead rebounder, getting down there battling for the boards. Crashing the boards, yeah. And, and you know, you're playing 30 minutes as it is. Now you're having to shoot. So now you're – and that's another thing that the mentality. You're automatically thinking when you shoot, you're, you're taught to follow your shot. So now they're shooting. Now we got to go try to get it off his rebound. Mm-hmm. Now we're battling for these boards, and I think a lot of that could that wear and tear of battling for the boards could have something to do with it too. I wonder. I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine, and he said, "There's no way that Wit, Joe, and Jones can average 36 minutes a game and maintain their high production value all of the, all throughout the year, and then getting into the SEC tournament, and get, and then maybe even getting into the NITs or the NCAA tournament. There's no way they're going to be able to maintain that. And Musselman has countered that and said that he kind of prefers to work with the roster that he has. He doesn't really see it as having a limited roster as much as just having his five guys. 
and running with them. He does. It's obvious he's not real big on subbing them. And I think if he could, he probably still wouldn't. Um, and he's. Con- it's all about conditioning. That's a, I guess, a pretty big part of how they practice. And uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe that is what's going on. Maybe Joe is getting fatigued. I don't know. But two of thirteen from the floor, one of eight from three point range. Look, Arkansas's not going to win. They didn't get smashed on the boards exactly. They only got out rebounded by ten. That's that's really been a recipe for success for Arkansas at times this year, as odd as that is to say. They got out rebounded forty one to thirty one. They had seven offensive rebounds, eleven uh, uh, to uh, Mississippi State's eleven. Right. So when you're shooting four of twenty, despite doing okay, not getting destroyed on the boards. When you shot 48% from the floor, but you shoot 4 of 20 from three-point range, that is not a recipe for Arkansas success. The recipe is knocking down the threes. That is their recipe. That is their offensive identity. I cannot believe I had any pushback on that last night from some people in my chat. That was unreal. That is their recipe. They are a sharp-shooting team that shoots out in the perimeter. Okay, and four of twenty is why they lost this game. Yeah, and we can also talk about the free throw shooting. Different, you know, they took thirty-one free throw shots to Arkansas's eleven. Yes, that is absolutely a factor. But look, and they, I didn't get a chance to watch that. I mean, how legit was that uh, discrepancy in the fouls? I mean, was that? I mean, was I, it home cooking or was it really like okay, we were reaching? I, I think it was. I mean, you're going to always have a little home cooking. I really thought. Everything they called on 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 uh, Mississippi State was legit. I, I I think it really it's a heavy mixture of both. I mean, it was it, there was definitely when you've got when you've got thirty one shots at the free throw line, that's home cooking. You know, you don't yeah. see away teams get anywhere near that kind of number. Um, and it might have been it might have been poured on a little heavy, and some of it was careless fouling. I think. I, it's not a game. It's not like the LSU game. To me, that is the worst officiated game I have. I think I have seen all year. It might be one of the worst officiated games I've seen in two years. It was terrible. They were calling Arkansas for everything down in the paint. There was no contact allowed by Arkansas. LSU. I mean, they're 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 getting away with murder on the court. And I know that's a very biased approach, but I'm telling you. Talking about 31 foul shots from Mississippi State to Arkansas's 11, and I'm sitting here telling you that I don't really think it was that bad, as far as what they were calling. I know people are going. I'm going to get some pushback on that. I know people disagree, and that's fine. I just that was my take. The LSU game was absurd. It was ridiculous. So, I, I again, I think it was a heavy mixture of both, but it's not a game that I'm going to circle as that was a BS officiated game, but. Arkansas's recipe for success, they've got to, you've got to shoot better at the free throw line given you get more opportunities there. Look, they got they got production from their from their bench. I think it was seven was it 17 I think from their from their bench. I don't know if they've done that all year long conference player or not. Um Chaney had some great productive minutes. Well, good. I'm not going to say great. But the guy shot 4 for 5 from the floor. Uh two offensive rebounds, a steal, a block, eight points. That's pretty damn productive for Chaney. Silla and like Kelly pointed out, Kelly's right. Silla did absolutely. I mean, you know what shots he took. He hit a three pointer. I mean, he hit it. He was one for one at three point range, baby. He had two rebounds. He had an assist. He had five total points, but he logged sixteen minutes. So I would argue that fifty percent of his time on the court for eight minutes, he had some pretty damn productive minutes. I hope we see more of that from Silla. But as for as for Joe, 
I don't know what they do. Let's say TCU, you're, you're going to be at home. I'm not sure what the right or wrong thing is to do there if, if you let him shoot out of his funk or if you bench him. I, I personally think you should bench him. I don't know if that's necessarily the right move or not. But they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to get it figured out because Joe is when he starts knocking down threes when he's uh, when he's getting you know four or five threes and then ev- everything else seems to kind of fall into place when he's knocking down his shot everything else for Arkansas offensively tends to fall into place so that's where I'm at, I, where where I'm at with that ball game but yeah Arkansas falls to fourteen and four three and three in conference Mississippi State twelve and six. Overall, with a three and three conference record as well, so both teams at five hundred. Arkansas is going to take on TCU. That is what that's Saturday at three p.m. Saturday at three p.m. According to ESPN, it's going to be on the uh, on the Deuce. It's going to be on ESPN two. Won't be SEC Network this week. It'll be on ESPN two. Uh, not a lot to all. I'll say about the TCU game is Arkansas favored in that one seventy nine percent to TCU's twenty, which is actually a little. I, I didn't think it'd be that high. I mean TCU's thirteen and five. Okay, they're not exactly a bad basketball team. If you listen to their fans, they are absolutely in it to make the tournament. Look, they're out of the Big Twelve. We know the Big Twelve still gets a nod over the SEC as being a better basketball conference because they probably are. Um, this would be a huge win for Arkansas on, on Saturday. So. Even if it is a home game, it's that non-conference. You know, it's a way to kind of build on that non-conference record that Arkansas has, in a way to kind of, you know, you want all the SEC to do well in this Big Twelve SEC matchup. But Arkansas needs to make their mark against TCU this Saturday. So I, I, I'll give you guys my official take on Friday night. Do you want to go ahead and give your prediction here on this one, Porter? I say they finally get over the hump. You know, they they've had this two game skid, and I think they go into this. Uh, take care of business you know tcu uh now is this not a, a what they call a quadrant one game you know how they, they don't do things by necessarily the teams or, or the conferences they do them by quadrants like they really uh, big wins called a quadrant yeah. one win or a quadrant two wins so that's another thing like when they beat georgia tech that was still considered a quadrant two win even though it was over an acc opponent so right. that's the big thing we need to start looking at where they put these teams mm-hmm. come the end of February and into March, because that's really what they they always go off the last ten games, how they did coming into the SEC tournament, going into the uh, NCAA tournament, and also these quadrant one wins. So right. that that's a big thing to look for too is if if they consider TCU a, a quadrant one game. Yeah, I, I still think they I still think they play favorites with conference play, and we saw that with the women's last year. We've talked about that. Um, with Tennessee getting the nod over Arkansas, and and there's no doubt that had more. Obviously, that's an SEC versus SEC comparison, but I still think they play favorites to some aspect. Anytime you have humans involved, I I just you know, and we've heard this before. Bo Mattingly talked about it. I think conference play still has an effect, and I think the reputation of your conference and how good or bad it is play has an effect, especially when it comes down to the selection committee. In, uh, in when when time comes in March, this would be a big win. The SEC across the board, I think it you know just to just to amplify your you know what success they've already had as a conference of basketball the last few years, how much better they've gotten. It's nice to get these Big Twelve SEC matchups, just like with the Big Ten games and the ACC matchups. It's good to find a way to get some dubs against some non-conference, actual good non-conference Power Five opponents. And it's going to be a good one. Seventy-nine percent in favor of Arkansas. I, you know, 
Uh, again, we'll talk about Friday night uh, on the live show at 6 p.m. That's to, well. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be tonight. So, uh, all right. I think that's I think that's all we have on basketball. Uh, moving on over to football, really quick. You know, I I forgot when I hit the record button, so I don't know how long we have. But uh, Arkansas got a commitment. As a matter of fact, today while recording. Three-star running back, 6'1", 205, former Maryland commit, Ebony Jackson. This guy is has looked at as a top 30, depending on what service recruiting service you look at, top 30 running back, top 45 player in the state of Georgia. Uh, f- again, flipped from Maryland. He committed to them back in uh, June 15th. And, yeah, he put out a tweet, I think, in December about – I think it said something uh, – someone posted in our Discord, actually, something about how he uh, was not going to – waiver on his Maryland commit. Well, he did. Don't know why, but he did. He was uh, recruited pretty heavily by Sam Pittman. This was obviously one of those one of those uh, heavy targets they really wanted to go after. He had a total of seven offers. Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, Maryland. Again, I don't know. Don't ask if they're how committable those offers were. Um, I think Tennessee, or I, well, we know Maryland's was, but Arkansas definitely was all over this kid. Tennessee, I think, had a committable offer and Ole Miss. I'm not real sure on Alabama. But uh, 6'1", 205 again. He's out of uh, Marietta, Georgia, Cherokee High School. Pretty big pickup for Arkansas. It's a big weekend, Porter, for Arkansas recruiting. They've got a bunch of visitors in this weekend. Obviously, the biggest one that everyone's talking about, Malik Hornsby, 6'2", 175, four-star dual threat. And uh, I think C.J. Dixon, out of, uh, out of another Georgia kid, he's he he well he is here. He will be here on the twenty fourth. But that's going to be interesting to see how they play that out and how many quarterbacks they end up taking. And we talked about that in Discord as well about how many quarterbacks. Typically, most coaching staffs at least want one a year. I don't know if if Dixon's a backup plan or if they truly do believe in taking taking on two quarterbacks. But, oh, my gosh, that would be huge to get both of these kids. Millie Cornsby, a four-star. C.J. Dixon, a three-star, for those of you who are really concerned about that. Dixon is a uh, – he's not a dual-threat kid. He's a pro-style. He's 6'5", 210. Uh, again, he's another one of these kids that really was recruited hard uh, by uh, by Maryland. I don't know – I don't have his list in front of me, but he does have offers from Illinois, Alabama, Baylor, Boston College. I think he has about a 10 or 11 total offers. Uh, again, don't know how many of those are committable, but he is also here this weekend. Um, running backs, you still have an offer out on. Let's see, I had I had it pulled up here. I was going to pull up all their uh, all the running backs. You've got Dominic Johnson, four star running back, well three star running back. He's already committed. Ebony Jackson, who just committed. Then you have four star uh, Dewan Edwards out of uh, Colquitt County, out of Georgia. Another Georgia kid. I love it. I'm loving it, uh, but he he uh, he was already here, and uh, don't ask me on him. I have no idea the op- the opportunity there for whether or not he's going to commit to Arkansas. You've also got Ashad Clayton, Kevonte Bradford, and uh, Donovan Eaglin are their other uh, running back offers. I think they end up probably taking two more, or well, one more after Ebony. I'm not really sure after that. But um, Savion Williams, some news there. He was officially offered. This is a three-star receiver. He was officially offered by Texas. He's out of Marshall, Texas. Supposedly that's his, that's his, um, 
School of choice. That was rumored anyways. But Texas offered him. So that's TCU, SMU, Baylor, and Arkansas all that have uh, committable offers. And I think that Texas offer is definitely committable. He has 22 total offers. You're talking about, you know, they just lost TQ Jackson to transfer. He's a 6'4", taller receiver. Well, here you go. Savion, 6'4 and a half, about 210 pounds. He's a four-star on 24-7 sports. His composite score, he's a three-star I don't know if he, if you would have asked me before the Texas offer, I, I was telling everybody he's a hog. I mean, there's there's no way he goes anywhere else. You know, it really seemed like he was all hog, and now with that TCU offer back, or excuse me, the uh, Texas offer back on the 21st, that changes things. He's already been on his OV. He's got an official visit with TCU on January 24th, so today. And uh, other than that, I don't know what he has planned with Texas, but. That to me, that's uh, that that'd be a great get. I've re- I've been real big on Savion since he was committed before to Arkansas, and when he decommitted, I was pretty bummed. And then to hear that he was back in the picture, I was really excited. And I really thought that you know I know he's got a close relationship with Step. I think that's their saving grace here. That's their saving grace is Justin Step. So we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that one. Porter, do you have anything you want to add to to this recruiting weekend? Well, I just the whole thing with you know these quarterbacks we're taking you know i really want to kind of emphasize on you know with the whole thing with franks and they're really in a bind because mm-hmm. you know they're not going to be able to see about his sixth year until the end of this season so yep. i'm wondering what what that has to do with their how they want to proceed with the quarterbacks if, if they're going to take a chance on it and try to and then they won't know so i mean it's really going to you know put them in a catch-22 because if this could affect next year's recruiting class when it comes to getting another quarterback in, yeah, it's a good point. I, I think that's probably maybe that has something to do with them taking these two receiver or two uh, two quarterbacks if they take both Hornsby and Dixon. Or, or I usually what history says when they go after two quarterbacks, and I mean you know not that the talent pool for Arkansas at the quarterback position right now. We don't know what it is. I mean, really, that's we have no idea. We know that KJ was a four star. We know that in the RPO, that is his bread and butter. Like that is the kind of quarterback he is. So I don't know if offering these two quarterbacks is a sign of even with Frank's coming in, whether that's a question of how long they have with him. If it's something going on with KJ, and maybe they kind of get the hint that he he might not, I don't know, care much for the Bryle system. If this has something more to do with whether or not Hornsby is actually a favorite of Arkansas's, or or, or you know the other way around, if Hornsby really wants to be a hog or not, because uh, you know his recruiting has blown up, especially since Rule Matt Rule from Baylor left and went on to the NFL. I don't know what this is. It, it, maybe they just want to take two quarterbacks. I mean, look, that could very well be the case too. But when you when you consider all the other positions they need to fill, and then on top of that, they may not even fill the entire class out because of transfers. I mean, I I really don't know how many signees they take in this class. I really don't know. They might fill it up. I've been told they probably won't. So when they're taking or offering, and are and I'm not just offering. They are all over this this uh, Dixon kid. They're all over Hornsby. There's something up here. So maybe we'll find out more after February 5th 
we'll have a, a better idea as to what's going on. You know how it works. You know, the rumors kind of float around, and you got to wait around until you get some actual information, and that should come either after February 5th or, you know, we'll at least, we'll at least have a better picture as to what's going on uh, after, after signing period. But, I, yeah, I'm with you. Felipe Franks, um, did we – we haven't talked about that here on the show yet, have we? Or have we? Did we talk about that on Monday? Uh, I wasn't on the Sunday show, so I don't know what y'all – what all y'all – I'm sure y'all did because, I mean, that was a big topic. I think so we, about, I think we about did. About Franks. I think we did. That's the downside of doing, like, 15 different <laughs> recordings. Like, I forget where I say it and when I said it. Um, but, yeah, Franks is a is a – I think is a big get. I think that that's a, uh, when did he actually, when was it enrolled? When did he enroll? Am I crazy? Well, he had to be enrolled by Tuesday to get into spring classes from what I heard. Okay. Well, it's a, uh, that's a big one. I think that that was a, I'm all for it. I, I know that there were a couple people in discord that weren't, I've seen some people on social media that really didn't care much for, for Felipe Franks. I think that he, he bottomed out at Florida, uh, the Florida people I've been in contact with have said that that is not the case. That you know he got banged up, and another guy comes in and and performs a little bit better, and they decide to stick with him. And so, uh, and there's a little bit of quarterback controversy going on going on down in Florida. I don't know what's going on. I saw that headline. I think it was 24/7 Sports had something. I meant to try and open that up and read it if I was able to. Anyways, you know you got to be paid or you got to be a paying customer to get that kind of information anymore on social media unless someone spills their guts on Twitter. But um, I, everything I've heard is Frank's has all the tools. I mean, he's got the physicality. He can he can get out of the pocket. He's got the arm strength. I've seen the footage that people have been posting on Twitter. Yeah, the kids kids got an arm. He he's he can throw it on a rope. He can. But you know what? And and I'm not like I'm all for Frank's. I'm excited for him. But you know who else's video looked great? And it wound up not really working out was Nick Starkle. Now, yes, I agree, and I've said it multiple times. That was under. A different regime. His situation was handled horribly. And so for anyone, and the only reason why I say that about comparing him to Starkle is because that's what you're reading everywhere. You know, oh, this this, this has the feeling of Starkle 2.0. And I agree. It's easy to have highlight films where you look great and not see the footage of him not being so great. But uh, I think he's going to be managed, I hope, a lot better than, than Starkle or Hicks was, you know, under Chad Morris and under Craddock. So... Yeah, big weekend this this uh, the twenty fourth tonight. This whole weekend, keep an eye out again on the five star tackle questions. I have no idea. I, if you're going to ask me which way I'm leaning, I I don't think he ends up being a Razorback. But hell, bringing him on campus was huge. So, uh, oh, also before we end this whole thing, before we get done with this episode, I want to say a special shout out to Black Apple over on three twenty one East Emma. I was there last night for the watch party for the Arkansas. Mississippi State game, had a good time. Good cider there. We were there alongside uh, Arkansas Alumni Association, so shout out to them as well. Good stuff. Hopefully we can we can take part in more of those events. It's always fun. It's always good to meet and greet with people. So, Porter, do you have anything you want to add before we before we called it? Can't wait to get up on the hill and watch the Ladybacks play again and see, see them in action. It's been a minute, so I'm, I'm excited to get up there. It's always fun. It's always fun getting to – Run around at Bud Walton is a blast. That place is uh it's it's a place of magic and wonder is what it is. So <laughs> it's been a long freaking month for me, okay? We've gone without a kitchen sink 
All right, I'm not going to go in on that. I could I could fill a whole damn episode about what has happened with our kitchen sink and all this plumbing disaster and and the the, the dishwasher machine now has to be the tubing has to be replaced. It's ridiculous. It's stressful. So I'm I'm letting it all go here on the episode and on the live shows. All right, thanks again, guys, for for downloading and listening. Don't forget to give us some star power. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Those stars go a long, long ways. And uh, shout-out to everyone who's already done that. You guys are awesome. And all the comments and everything. You guys rock for our Discord community. Sorry we didn't get questions up this time. We'll do that hopefully on uh, on Sunday when we record our next episode. So until then, woo pig suey, go hogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.